Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the November meeting preview at Cheltenham. Fantastic card of National Hunt Racing at Cheltenham this weekend. And hopefully we do it justice on this podcast and find some winners for you as well. I'm joined by two expert guests. First and foremost, Odds Checker's very own racing tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, as ever, fantastic to be sharing the line with you today. Yeah, it's a pity that um, for those of us who've been going to the Paddy Power meeting for the last 20, 25 years, uh, won't get a chance to, um, you know, grace the hallowed arena this year. Um, be a bit of a shame. What's, well, it'd be a bit strange just watching on TV, but a shame that nobody can go because this really is truly one of the, the, uh, the best three days you'll see. Absolutely. And fingers crossed come March for the Cheltenham Festival, Andy, me and you can share yes. a Guinness on, on, on track as well. And maybe we'll be joined by Ed Quigley, who joins us today as well, racing broadcaster and journalist. Ed, very, very good to have you back on the Odds Checker betting show. Are you excited for this weekend's racing? Absolutely, yeah. It's great to be on. Uh, great to be back. And uh, obviously, yeah, the racing looks absolutely a uh, top draw as always. Uh, just touch upon what Andy said in terms of a shame we're not there. The uh, a similar interview um, last week. Uh, the irony is, I've just moved house to. I'm um, three minutes forty two seconds for the entrance to Cheltenham Racecourse, <laughs> and it'll probably be about the year twenty twenty five by the time we can actually probably get back on there. <laughs> but um, but there we go. Such is life. But no, really looking forward to it. Uh, some top class action. We'll obviously come on to Sunday later, but there really are some absolute belters, and hopefully they all stand their ground. Right, Ed, I think you might be getting a text from me after this to book out your spare room for the next few years. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, before we get into the racing, just as ever, going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. It's the very best place for all of the best prices. Today, of course, we'll be talking in terms of the best prices on the app. The very best bookie offers best place terms, which is going to be crucial this weekend with bookies looking to go pretty generous with their place terms across the racing. And of course, the very best tipsters including Andy himself, the first place to find his tips in the morning is on the app. Saturday and Sunday, cracking racing across the weekend at Cheltenham. We've only given ourselves about an hour to do this, so we're going to rattle through it. And the way we're going to do it is pick out some of the key races on each day. We'll do the cross-country and the Ballymore Novices Hurdle on the Friday. We'll do the graded races on Saturday and Sunday in depth. And then I will ask you guys as well, because there's obviously cracking handicaps, novice chases and the like as well going on. So I'll ask you if there's any anything else, any other horses to look out for at the end of each day. So for that reason, we're going to start with the Glen Farclass cross-country handicap, an easy slant after his win back in March, feels like a long time ago, is <laughs> 8 to 11 ahead of Tiger Roll, who's 3 to 1. Potter's Corner, 9 to 1, 16 to 1 bar. Has quite a nice each way look to this, doesn't it, Andy? At nine races, <laughs> knowing you and I. But what do you make of this match at the top end? Any reason why Tiger Roll can reverse the form? Just depends on fitness, doesn't it, really? I think Gordon Elliott's already made sure that he's got a run into Tiger Roll when he ran him on the flat the other day. Um, he didn't run too badly. It was about as what. As, as best and better than what they're anticipating or just as good as what they're anticipating. And, you know, given his track record around this uh, course on a regular basis, you know, just he, he's the number one dog, isn't he? But he's um, sort of gold medals taken off of him quite readily by Easy's Land mm. um, at the festival. I mean, he batted him, didn't he? Let's face it, Tiger Hall went into the race odds on or very, very short price. We didn't really know how good Easy's Land was. Yes, we had a bit of a favour of him back in September meet. I mean, he did really step up to the plate that day. I think he beats in 15 lengths, something in around that margin. 
the ground was very much more in Easy's Land's favour that day than it's likely to be over the weekend. I think we're looking at good, good to soft ground. It's usually quite quicker on the inside um, 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 cross-country course mm. than it is on the on the normal course. So that might give Tiger Roll a little bit more of a fighting chance because I think ostensibly he wants a better service. I don't think that real heavy testing ground like it was on day one last year really suited him as well. And he couldn't get the kind of purchase and the spring out of the ground that would have helped him. But either way, Easy's Land was such a dominant force that day. I expect him to um, uphold the form. I don't think the, the Cotton uh, team will leave any stone unturned as well because there has been talk in the media as well. I don't know if Ed's uh, caught hold of it that some judges have been putting up Easy's Land for the, for the Gold Cup. I think that's a bit pie in the sky, but he'd need to win this and win it very, very easily for, the, for them to even consider that. And knowing JP, though, he'd want to keep this horse in his, uh, in his correct lane and just mop up these races at the race in December. And then, of course, uh, God willing, he'll be back there in March uh, to defend his crown. You know, you look four to five, four to six to the five, in and around the two to one mark, Tiger Roll. Yes, you can make cases out for the others each way, I suppose, if you're an each way bandit like me and you, George. But <laughs> I mean, you, you've got out for a miracle, really, for, for them to, to beat one of the front two in the market. And when you're only looking at one place and you've got four or five vying for that extra place, there's not, there's not much of a, an appeal on that front either. So it's a race I'd probably sit back and watch. Uh, and I'd expect Easy's Land to, uh, to beat Tiger Roll. Tiger Roll is three to one, a bet three, six, five. If you do want to start your um, Gribbly each way multi. <laughs> um, Ed, coming to you next. Ed, it's your birthday today, I should mention, for the listeners and the viewers as well. So we'll go easy on you. Um, but uh, but you mentioned before we came on, came on air that this wasn't necessarily a race you were looking to get too involved with. No, I, I think Andy makes the, the good point. The key point here is I think the ground will bring them a lot closer. And mm. just on a wider point, the ground, I think, to the meeting as a whole is quite a big talking point here because yeah. looking at the weather forecast you want, there's up to 60 millimetres of rain forecast Saturday afternoon into Sunday morning. So basically, it's going to be chalk and cheese. The ground, the first race on Friday is raced on compared to on the Sunday for the Greatwood Hurdle Day. I think you could be looking at genuine soft ground if we get the heavy end of the rain forecast. Here, I'm, as I said, I'm just around the corner from the race course. There's this clear blue skies. The sun's beating down at the moment. And there's nothing really forecast rest of today and into tomorrow. So the ground will be at its quickest and that will suit Tiger Roll more than Easy's Land. But as Andy says, even a thing for ground, Tiger Roll was thumped in the cross country at the Cheltenham Festival. And uh, he's also, obviously, this is a handicap. He's got to give Easy's Land four pounds as well in this. So Tiger Roll does look against it. However, I do think the ground will bring them closer together. So yeah, Easy's Land, I think, is the most likely winner. But just for punters in general, do keep your eyes out. If weather forecasts hold up, the ground at the later stage of this meeting could be very testing relative to what should be pretty much good ground uh, for the opening day. So there will be a, a big difference. Uh, what Just something to bear in mind when placing your bets. Yeah, very shrewd advice. Keep an eye on the going throughout the weekend. Uh, we'll move on now to the next race on the card on the Friday. I think it's the 3.35 and it's the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. Um, of course, the novice hurdle over two miles and five furlongs. Uh, does he know a very exciting prospect for Kim Bailey is the 11 to 8 favourite? Grand Mogul, 3 to 1. Wild Romance, 13 to 2. The Grand Vizier, 9 to 1. 11 to 1 Polish. 16 to 1 Petrostar. Bali Milsey, 25 to 1. Just the seven runners, so two places. But Andy, when it comes to novice hurdles, there's only one man to go to, and that is yourself. So what are you making of this market as it stands at the moment? 
Yeah, it's my, it's my favourite category to bet in. Um, first of all, most there's not as many risks attached to there is uh, to a novice chase. That's um, going saying. And usually my numbers, which, I, which I've kept now for the last sort of 15, 20 years, have generally speaking led me down the right path. And it gives me an, an idea where the pecking order is, particularly building up to the festival. But I think the one thing to be said about this race, I think this is a really, really weak grade too. Um, I mean, does he know sets a, a fairly weakish standard as far as I could see? I mean, that, that race he won at the first meeting, it was OK. Um, I actually fancied the second horse, Midnight River, the, the Dan Skelton horse, who ran a, a really encouraging race in second. But ultimately, I was, I was left feeling a little bit cold out after, after that race. Asked for glory, didn't run his race. Um, several in behind probably didn't run up to scratch. So he, he does... He's a definite worthy favourite, there's no doubt about that. He's actually top rated on our figures as well. He's a course and distance winner. So, you know, given the yard, the yard form as well with his track form, he, he's going to be very difficult to beat. And a shame there is only seven runners. Probably ordinarily at him and think 11 08, 6 to 4. I'd probably look for something each way. Grand Mogul's win at Chepstow, I don't think amounts to much. Um, Wild Romance came from a long way back to win at Chepstow. On, on, on her hurdling debut. I think she's a nice project going forward. But ultimately, I think this is a really weak race. Um, I, I'd expect Kim Bailey's horse to win, but I, I'm definitely not going to be putting anything up here. It's, it just makes absolute zero appeal. So does he know the likely winner, but no bet advised for Andy? Ed, anything to add on that? I well, know we're really trying to poo-poo this uh, card, aren't we? I, I find it quite <laughs> this race. To be honest. It does. You think like you had time in this last year and yeah. you don't look back through the role of honour there's been some decent horses I mean they, they, you know does he know looks a decent horse in his own right and in times I think will be I mean the way he stayed up the hill last time I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he ended up over three miles sooner rather than later but uh, Grand Mogul won nicely in soft last time I, again I just find it all a bit don't quite know I think Bally Mills he will improve for a trip plenty of stamina in his pedigree I think he steps up a furlong and a half from last time out was kind of plugging on the one place in third last time but Perhaps would uh, prefer it if this race was on the Sunday. I think slower ground might kind of play to his, his favour, if you like. But uh, I'm going to stop rattling on. It's a no-bet <laughs> race. I'm going to see and see what happens and perhaps take notes of this with the festival in mind, uh, with perhaps the angle of where they go trip-wise after it. But it's, uh, it's a muddling little affair. I think the Kim Bailey horse is the best horse. It's obviously penalised and should get the job done bar uh, something we don't really know about yet coming out of the woodwork. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a no-bet for myself. So no bet race there as well. This is, of course, a betting podcast. So we need to find some bets pretty soon. And Ed, I'm going to stay with you because you know, now's the time to look through the rest of the Friday card. And is there anything that, that sticks out to you? Any fancies you've got elsewhere? Just two quick mentions. Um, 225, the novice chase. Uh, just a, just more of a, a, a point of discussion rather than a tip. But protectorat mm -hmm. of Dan Skelton. Uh, I'm really interested they've chose to run this horse in the two-and-a-half-mile contest when he had the option of the two-miler, just given that they dropped him back to two last time out for his chase debut, and he appeared to absolutely loved it. Loved it. They almost took the all-mankind approach. He bowled along in front, wing fence to fence, and uh, just, that just seemed to open up a new lease of life. Whether they're going to have to try and ride him more restraint over two-and-a-half, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting move. The fact the comments from Dan Scouted in the aftermath say he appeared to really love coming back to two, and mm. yet they seem to have kind of gone back to two and a half. Anyway, in terms of a tip, I have one bet on the Friday, and that is in the 4.05. It's the Novices Handicap Hurdle uh, uh, for David and Tom Scudamore. Uh, the pipe's really going well at the moment. They're operating at around a 30% strike rate for the last month or so. They've, they've hit early season form, and 
Uh, look, this is a very good filly. You, you know, ran in the champion bumper, finished second on her hurdling debut, over two and a half. She was a bit keen, a bit fresh. They dropped her back to two last time out with that run under her belt. And she won quite nicely, I think it has to be said. Two miles again here goes handicapping off 119. That leaves room for improvement, I think. Uh, I just think she's she's got a lot of ability. She's very well bred, obviously. And I said she's got quite a speedy pedigree. Obviously, her side was Camper Cliffs. And uh, they tried to stretch her out to two and a half miles last time. And she was keen and just fell in a hole. Uh, I think back at the minimum trip here, that confidence boosting win at Utox the last time out. Uh, she did it nicely. I said in the handicap company. The downside to it is, of course, she doesn't have many miles on the clock and inexperience could find her out in the hurdy-burdy of this type of contest. But at the same time, I'd like to think perhaps she's got a trick or two up her sleeve in regards to against the handicapper. So uh, I think I saw around six to one mark when I last looked or there or thereabouts. So with the pipe team uh, absolutely flying at the moment and that, uh, yeah, panic attack in the 405 on the Friday. That's my only selection on the day. Best price we're seeing at the moment is nine to two, but it should be caveated by saying that 12.20, we are recording this at the moment on the Thursday. So all these markets are kind of in their infancy, it's fair to say, and the prices will be coming out with more bookies. But that 92 is with William Hill, and they are fifth to five places. So giving you an extra place as well if you wanted to back Panic Attack each way for Eds. Andy, anything catching your eye on, uh, on tomorrow's card? I mean, that's, that's looking almost like daylight robber, isn't it? How that Panic Attack has got 119, I do not know. Um, you know, that they... They they fancied her strongly for the champion bumper, um, and albeit she didn't really figure, you know, the fact that she was only a ten to one shot that day suggested that, um, you know, they 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 thought she'd go well. I think first time out they very didn't they at Huntingdon. I don't think she was pressed. Got many buttons pressed that day. Really good on the figures last time out at Utoxida. And as we know, Davy Pipe and particularly this owner do really well at this meeting. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that there. I think one true king is the, is the other one I'd have a have a look at. Uh, the form of that um, Tegarek race has, has already taken a boost in midweek. Uh, the Twist and Davis team are in good form, so I'd, I'd, I'd centre my attentions around those two. And in the 150, I thought the um, Gary Moore um, novice beat the judge, who ran quite well behind Rouge Vif here at the um, uh, showcase meeting. I, th- I thought he made quite a bit of an each way appeal. Nine runners go to post. There's going to be one or two, I think. Having a run for further down the lines, should I say? Um, you know, Azuri maybe, and 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 maybe the Venetia Williams also. I don't I don't know, but um, I, I quite like the way that beat the judge finished off his race. Um, he, I, I I didn't think he it took him a while to get into top stride that day, but um, yeah, the fact that he comes back here in a handicap, I think they've seen more than enough from him to be confident of a big run there. Beat the judge six to one at the moment with. Bet365, Skybet and Bet Victor. That is in the 150 tomorrow. We'll move on now to Saturday's racing and we'll talk uh, about the graded races here. And that opens up with the JCB Triumph Trial, uh, the juvenile hurdle, which is the first race of the day at 12.30. The moment, as far as I can see, um, no prices out yet. I'll try and find them whilst we're speaking. But to run through the card, uh, eight entered at the moment. We've got Hellred, Billy the Squad, sorry, Billy the Squid, Calvert Cliffs, Adagio, Jersey Grey, Balco Saint, Duffelcoat, and Historic Heart. Andy, any any kind of appealing at this early stage to you? Well, Duffelcoat's the, the, the one that's already posted a, a listed win on the board with that um, win at uh, Weatherby last time out. I think the ground is going to be crucial uh, to him 
and to many others in this race. As Ed's already pointed out, we could get quite a bit of rain looking at the forecast. And the more it rains, the more I think it'll play into the hands of Hell Red, uh, the Paul Nichols horse. The day when he won at Chepstow, he didn't do anything spectacular on the figures. Um, it was just a middle-of-the-road number. Uh, his circuit time was 15 then slower than the handicap won by Dear Sir. So he, he didn't really have to do a lot to beat fairly modest opposition, but he looked the type looking at his action that definitely be appreciative of more softer ground. And I think the comments afterwards that they've got half an inkling to go back to the same track and, and perhaps uh, win the grade one, the finale hurdle um, on um, the day after Boxing Day, Welsh Grand National Day. So if they're thinking down that route, then they're obviously expecting or they're hoping for soft ground, plenty of it uh, as the winter progresses. I see him as a, a grinder rather than a quickener. Um, so if it did rain in large quantities, I think that might just tip the balance of power in his favour over Duffel Coat. It looks more of an early season juvenile. Um, Adagio did it well at Warwick, quite taken, but it, he, the time was absolutely appalling, so he's going to have to improve. Um, I haven't seen any betting here, but if you gave me sort of something around the 7-4, 2-1, right to this stage for Hell Red, I'd be all over that with the forecast. So Hell Red is, yeah, as I say, we'll keep an eye out, but Hell Red, the one there for Andy, um, I will try, because I have a feeling the prices will start to come out as we're recording. So I'll keep an eye on this so we can come back to the prices at some stage. But Ed, you with Andy there in terms of the horse that you've kind of got a, got a, a circle around in the in the notebook? Yeah, I like Hell Red a lot here. Uh, as Andy says, it wasn't uh, on the form book strictly. It didn't look anything spectacular and the time wasn't spectacular. Chepster last him out, but... That was pretty lively ground and seemed to just gallop away fine on it. And uh, as Andy says, if they've got tensions of Chepstow in December and everything, and given his run on heavy in France, uh, the idea of extra rain should come in absolutely uh, perfect for this horse, shouldn't it, really? And um, I mean, a problem with these races, I stay clear of juvenile hurdles most of the time. <laughs> so many unexposed, I just call it guesswork. Uh, a lot, you know, the horses that they're in for try and. Um, just stay away from them generally from a better perspective. Uh, yeah, Adagio did win nicely last time out, but would have to jump a lot better, I think. Made a couple of really scruffy errors at times. And Duffelcoat, obviously, he's penalised for that listed win last time out, so has to give weight to Hell Red as well. It's worth mentioning. So, all in all, no bet race myself um, at the moment. I probably will be a no bet race on the day, but Hell Red is the horse I, I think will win this. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if this horse made up into a, a serious triumph hurdle contender. Um, <clears throat> I know trainers' quotes have to be taken with a pinch of salt at times, but listening to Paul Nichols and his, his uh, early season kind of stable tours, he, he definitely has this one at the top of his pecking order and uh, wouldn't be too surprised if he was, ends up above average uh, by the time we're, if we're having a chat about this again in the spring. So, yeah, Hal Red, I think, uh, and Duffel Coat, they're, they're the two to concentrate on, but Hal Red for myself. I reckon when most people have a flutter, they use the same old bookies every time. But how do you know if you're getting good odds? Odds Checker, that's how. At Odds Checker, you can compare the odds from major bookmakers, get tips from the experts, and place your bets all in one place. Whether it's your Saturday Acker or a first goal scorer hunch, choose our best odds and get brilliant returns. Odds Checker, your one stop betting hub. Download the app now. Play responsibly. The next uh, race we're going to be talking about it's from the horse's mouth podcast novices chase there we go <laughs> one podcast giving a heads up uh not not skipping out the name there so kudos to us i guess um yeah in this novice chase fusel raffles is five to four with el dorado allen seven to two keldesta nine to two uh Zar- zarkiva 
17 to 2, Gumball 10 to 1, Le Patriot 11 to 1, six run here. Ed, I'll stick with you. Uh, anything here? I mean, I, I, it's another trappy affair, isn't it, really? It is. Uh, on balance, I mean, again, if I'd be tempted to take Fusel Raffles on, uh, mm. just on uh, the ground, could be. I mean, Nicky Anderson's made no hiding of the fact. He says this horse must have a sound surface, and he's got two very decent surfaces to run on for both his chases so far. Um, by the middle of the afternoon, there could have been a fair amount of rain hit the track. And he's also, again, he's penalised. He's got to give weight away to a few of these. I, I just, I never think I said on, I was on Sky Racing the other day, I, I just wondered in the back of my mind whether this horse wants two and a half in time. I, I don't know why, just something about me tells him. I think he was a little bit flattered last time out, uh, personally. Uh, Getaway Trouble, who hates Cheltenham, actually came back on the bridle, was coming to make a challenge at two out. They made another error. And I, I, I just wonder if Fuse Raffles, how you say, has been slightly flattered uh, when you look at his two chase results so far. And on balance, I'll probably take on Aldorado Allen. Uh, I did think jumped quite nicely. A lot was expected of this horse at one stage, mm. including last year. And a lot, a lot of the Tis Colin Tissard horses in the spring just seem to be woefully out of form. The yard have really started to click in recent times. He won a um, decent novice chase. It will perform decently, shall we say, at Newton Abbott. You could argue the form to that has been let down to some extent because Stormy Island got turned over at Bangor at odds on. But given that a lot of the Colin Tissard horses have come on kind of 10, 12 pounds for the seasonal reappearance. Wouldn't be at all surprised if Aldorado Allen went up another gear, if you like. And if the rains arrive, I don't think that will inconvenience him as much as it would Fusil Raffles. Uh, it's an interesting little trappy contest. Again, one, I'm, I want to come on here with those convictions. That's all right. It's, all much, race, all, it's all much better. You've got me, my brain's tied in knots <laughs> over. But um, on balance, um, Aldorado Allen, I think, could, uh, with the yard really clicking and rain on the way, I think could serve this up to Fusil Raffles. You're just in the back of my mind, a little bit like this, the top-notch comparisons. I just wonder in time, maybe two and a half will suit. He got going quite late uh, on his chase debut. And then he, he seemed to like power away in the closing stages again last time out. But um, Eldorado Allen, tentatively. That's my verdict. <laughs> Tentative bid for Eldorado Allen there at 7-2. to two. But I think the key line, Ed, being, you know, maybe Fusil Raffles won to take on at that price. Uh, Andy, would you agree with that sentiment? I certainly wouldn't want to take him on from a time figure perspective. On the day where everyone was uh, waxing lyrical about Rouge Vif, uh, this horse rather slid under the radar, but on every point of the track, doing sectional times like I do, he battered Rouge Vif, um, which was a hell of a performance by a novice. I think he was something like 15 lengths quicker, quicker if you do split screens like I do, which, you know, you just put two races mm -hmm. alongside him, click him from the same point and watch him spin round. So he's run to a level way beyond I think his current rating but the ground is important to him you know he, oh, that was you know a decent or good to good to soft ground which it is at the moment if it rains and he, he might not be necessarily uh, so um, effective um, so he's he's priced up right on what he did the, the last time but whether I'd back him right now at the price I'd, I'd rather wait perhaps to, to, to a little bit further down the line um, I do think Zarka Reeve is an interesting runner um, she won't mind the ground. She won a good novice chase last time out in a fair time at Punchestown. And I think this is the race, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, put the kettle on one last year before she went on to uh, win the Arkle. So I think right. it's very significant that Henry de Bromhead, who doesn't waste any bullets, he's not like, oh, we'll just have a little social runner. Mm. He's coming here dead set. He thinks he's got an Arkle um, filly on his hands here. Um, and she's been rather attractively priced at 15 to 2 currently. I, wouldn't, I, I, I would be less keen on Eldorado, Alan. Again, just based on pure numbers, it was a very slow time at Newton Abbott. 
and he's got a bit to find just strictly on um, hurdles form anyway with Cal Dastan who beat him easily at Sandown. Gumball, again, he's held by Fuser Raffles on his Utoxida run. So all the sort of like intermingling form lines suggest that Fuser Raffles has got these covered. A lot depends on the ground. And if the ground does change, then I'll take over. So Zarkareva, 17 to 2 best price. That's with William Hill and Skybet. Um, Fuser Raffles is 5 to 4. Um, move now on to the Paddy Power Gold Cup Handicap Chase. And it is a, a great field. We currently have 17 runners. St. Sonnet and Simply the Bets alongside Mr. Fisher are the joint favourites at 5 to 1. Al Dancer, 9 to 1. Slate House, 10 to 1. Surida Lack, 12 to 1, alongside Happy Diva, 16 to 1 bar. Uh, at the moment, Skybet and Hills both go six places, fifth, six places. Um, so interesting each way angles into that one. Andy, come to you first here. Who do you fancy for the Paddy Power? Um, yeah, this is a fairly straightforward one for me. I, I just think Mr. Fisher's not saying a different class to this lot, but he is one of the class acts in this race. I think there's three of them that just stand out, simply the bets. And, and potentially Saint Sonnet. Everyone's gone wild on Saint Sonnet in the anti-post markets, uh, but strictly speaking, he, you know, he has a, a bit to farm with Mr. Fisher on uh, running the Marsh. But that Marsh Chase, if you go back and watch it, like I have done a million times, it's probably one of the most viewed races I watched at the Cheltenham Festival. <laughs> because, a million. <laughs> well, on the, on that same day, you had three two and a half mile races, so it was a brilliant race to watch. All three were with regards to sectionals and 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 watch how those all those races developed and you can get a good angle in here to to, to, to tell you how good that that marsh chase was because they not only beat the ryanair chase on that same card they also beat the handicap chase by a country mile and, and that was the one that simply the bets uh, won um and it was probably from three out where that race developed if you if you if you do like a split screen like i do and then at that point they virtually touched down in line simply the bets and the likes of Sam Crow and Maryland. But from three out to the line, the novice chasers just went into an absolute different stratosphere to the handicappers. And by the come to the line, there was like about 25 lengths difference. Mm. The pace that they showed when they quickened up, and that's at that point in the race where Mr. Fisher got outpaced. He was about fourth or fifth as he touched down three out. And then he... And once he... Hill and met the rising ground, he stayed on very strongly again. I think he wants a proper end-to-end gallop. I'm not saying that was a slowly run race by any stretch of imagination and Marsh. It was miles better than the Ryan. It was miles better than Simply the Bets. I think he'll beat Simply the Bets because I just think he's a better horse. Um, Fitness-wise, look, it's, it's Nicky Henderson, isn't it? He's not going to come here leaving a horse like Mr. Fisher um, undercooked. I'd be a little bit worried, if I'm being absolutely honest, if it went really soft because I think he's a, a genuine fast horse. Um, I'd actually think he'd, he'd do well in a, in a champion chase, I think, because he's that good. So I'd have that I'd have that in the back of my mind if he went really soft. But look, I, I just think he's very well handicapped, and he's definitely one horse I'll be putting in my ten to follow lists. Mr. Fisher five to one with eight 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 Unibet, Betfred, Bowl Sports, Ten Bet, Sport Nation, Genting Bet, and Red Zone. So plenty of options out there for Andy's fancy. Ed, hard, hard act to follow Andy sometimes. How are you going to follow that? Well, I, I'm glad uh, Andy at the end threw in the words champion chase with Mr. Fisher because um, I kind of agree and disagree with Andy on Mr. Fisher. I've been on an absolute rant about this horse um, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. I, I've put it out there and I've sent a message to Nicky Henderson. I believe Mr. Fisher is a two-miler and 
I know I'm in the minority and I'm happy to be proven wrong throughout the season, but his two best performances over hurdles came at Haydock in Kempton on good ground where he really quickened up on speed tracks. And on RPRs, his best performance over fences came at Doncaster on good ground over the minimum trip where he quickened up and went away. And Nicky Anderson's talking about even stretching him out to three miles before long. Obviously, one of us is totally wrong and way out. And I'm obviously seeing this horse different to everyone else. But I think I agree with Andy in the sense that I think he's a horse of real natural gears and pace. He bounces off a sound surface, perhaps ignoring all the trip discussion. The biggest danger to Mr. Fisher would be if we do get three quarters of an inch of rain throughout Saturday. And it blunts his natural class and speed angle. Because I, I do think he is the, the class act waiting to kind of come out of this contest, if you like. Uh, wherever the few others in here, I think will perhaps get their trip in their ground on the day. But Mr. Fisher is definitely the, the grade one animal in here. I just do worry about the ground. Uh, I said if, the, if this was run on the second or third race on the Friday, uh, mm. I'd make him a, a strong favourite for this on the basis of the ground. So uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of a tentative one. Uh, but I would just love to see him. I would love to have seen him in a, in a Tingle Creek, for example, or at least the Holding Gold Cup. But I suppose we'll, we'll never know from that angle. They're going for two and a half and perhaps looking for three. So... That's my rant number two on Mr. Fisher over. So, <laughs> on on that note, I'm um I'm going with uh, Slate House, uh, who of course he was actually tanking this race coming to two out last year. I thought probably yeah. would have won or at least gone very close to winning uh, when capsizing. Uh, his in the spring totally tailed off, didn't it? But in a way, that's a blessing in disguise in regards to his handicap mark for this because he's now slipped back down to one five two. So only five pound higher than last year. The more the rain, the merrier as far as he goes. He's got winning course form in the book. And the, the, the team are absolutely, uh, Tizar team are really just started to click after a slow start. So they were in an hour whether, Colin Tizard said the Chartner Gold Cup is a long-term aim <clears> of <throat> this, this horse. It was whether to go for the Labricks Trophy and go the staying route to begin with and continue that way or start him off over two and a half <laughs> and then build him up in trip. But I just think his jumping can be a bit sketchy, but if he puts in a clear round here, rain coming in his favour, I think he's got to be there or thereabouts, and he's, what, double the price of simply the bets. So um, that's kind of my angle in here. Slate House each way, in a clear round, I'd be very disappointed if he wasn't in the fall. Slate House, uh, 10 to 1 at the moment. You get 10 to 1 with both Skybet and Hills with six places, so you get six um, there, Ed, for Slate House. We'll have to move on because we have so much to get through. And we're going to touch quickly now on the handicap hurdle, the next race on the card, the listed race, uh, 250. And T Clipper is the 5 to 2 favourite. Dandy Dan, 11 to 2. Del Arca, 8 to 1. 10 to 1 um, bar after that. Uh, Andy, T Clipper, the fair favourite. Oh, yeah, without doubt. So he's, you know, he's winning the Silver Trophy. He stands out here, doesn't it? It was the best piece mm. of form coming into the race. The time figure was very good. I think it was a similar to most years. It was a very deep um, silver trophy. And, you know, the form usually stacks up. Again, I'd, I'd just be a little bit concerned if the ground went really soft for him. All his best forms are no worse than good to soft. Uh, so just bear that in mind if you're thinking of ploughing it at a short price. Now, look, it's a race, I think, early stages. He's my pivotal point that, that you know, I'm going to kind of like work my, work my way around. Um, I don't see another angle into the race at this very moment in time. If But... I think come closer to the day, perhaps I, I might have a, a shift of policy. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a race. I haven't I haven't done enough d- deep groundwork beyond <laughs> him to to fight to find a bet yet that I want to. Be t- so look, if I've got a short prize favourite that thinks just a bit too skinny and I'm a little bit unsure about the ground, rather than trying to find one desperately to get to 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 get uh, him beat with, um, I'd probably just leave it alone for the time being. 
Interesting. Ed, any angles for you? Oh, just on the blind side, he's been called a few names uh, over the last couple of years, and quite rightfully so in some ways. But yet, it probably does him a disservice when you actually look at the overall profile of his form. He's won three of his five hurdle starts. He's not an actual chaser at all. Uh, and of all things, he was last seen in a uh, in a jumpers bumper at Newcastle, wasn't he? Mm. So he's he's been doing the rounds, but he has slipped down to one four five. So it's his kind of lowest official rating, if you like, in a handicap. He was one five three at peak, and he's here for the Henderson team. I thought potentially he's a little bit overpriced. However, you have to factor that in against a couple of unexposed sorts in here who perhaps are going to progress past him. But he's double figure, as Andy says, kind of every horse has its price. And um, I haven't had a play in this yet. But on the blind side, at double figures does make appeal because off one four five, this is you know he's got plenty of winning course form in the book as well. I wouldn't be too shocked if he was in the mix. On the blind side, twelve to one. We've had owner. Mike Spence uh, on the podcast a couple of times, a couple, I remember a couple of years ago, and fair to say they thought of this horse very, very highly then. So it'd be great to see on the on the blind side returning to some form at Cheltenham on Saturday. Um, the last race we're going to quickly touch on before I ask you if any other business, uh, I personally try never to bet in bumpers, but we'll quickly mention the bumper on the final race of the day. LA Bell is 5-2 to two favourite. You can never 7-2. to two. Uh, Ishkara Lady, 11-2. to two. Um, Alavina 10 to 1, 11 to 1 bar. <clears throat> Andy, it's interesting how you are, you know, on the flat stuff, you you like your two-year-old races. Um, the National Hunt stuff, you're good with your with your novice idols. Where, where does kind of bumpers fit into that? Because I guess it's kind of a similar thing where you can look at the speed figures of all the horses. They've had a, a couple of runs. You can see maybe where the market doesn't necessarily differentiate between the difference of the quality of their previous runs. The, the, the problem is with betting in bumpers and using time figures as a guide with bumpers is that they can be a little bit unre- unreliable because let's say I've got a horse that's run a, an, an amazingly quick time. It doesn't mean to say that it'll do it again next time out because it, it, it'll, unless it's a front runner, it's because the, the dynamics of the race might not play into the, its hands the next time. They might, mm. It might be in a slow, slowly run race. Whereas on the flat, they tend to run, you know, fairly even, even time like most of them. Because uh, I've got, Good look at this race and the ones that have come out well. The, the, the quickest two I've got so far are Ishara Lady, who's just had its form boosted, funny enough, by the horse that chased it home. Ludlow uh, won the first race today, so I don't think she'll go well. And, and the other informed bumper team is um, Anthony Honeyball. Mm. Uh, and that you can for the one that won down at Fontwell. That was only a mile six bumper, but God almighty, its legs were going two to everyone's one at the finish. Mm. One by 20 lengths. Again, an incredibly quick time, but... It, it's it's sort of sectional time from like where the where the second last hurdle was to the to the winning line was was just phenomenal compared to everything else on the card. So I think those two have got the best engines, and if they go a good even gallop for both of those two, we know that they can run a good end to end gallop. I wouldn't think this will be a crawl, so I'd be quite confident of either one of those two coming out on top. But if if forced, I'd, I'd probably go with Yukanva. So you can never is uh, you can never sorry yeah yeah seven never. seven or two Ishikari Lady eleven to two Ed any of you here. Well, just when I was watching LS Bell, if you pronounce it like that, I just sat there and thought, wow. But um, obviously, Andy's looked at the time things and everything, and it's nothing jumping off the page. But in terms of just a visual impression, uh, mm. I thought she looked absolutely terrific. But then you could throw that in about the anti Honeyball filly, couldn't you? And a couple of others in here. So I'll stop rattling now. Uh, no bet. <laughs> no bet. And uh, so that brings us to the end of Saturday. But we've obviously missed out a couple of the. Your handicap here and there. A- anything else on the card to keep an eye on or should we move on to Sunday? Nothing from me, no. No, I'm done. 
Okay, so on to Sunday's racing then. And the first race we're going to talk about is uh, yeah, is the Handicap Chase, the Planter Chapel Stud Handicap Chase. Uh, going to see if we have any prices up at the moment. I'm not sure that we necessarily do. So we'll run through. Um, I mean, there, there are plenty in there at the moment. So Andy, coming to you first, and then we can discuss any that you're circling because obviously, sadly, without the prices, <coughs> it's pretty tricky. Andy, who do you... Um, I know we do have. I've got prices now. Perfect. Look at that. Uh, West Approach is five to one. Discorama six to one alongside Yala Enki. Captain Drake thirteen to two. Cloth Cap eight to one. Pim Ramsey's to tie both ten to one. Twelve to one bar. There we go. That was easier with prices. Um, Andy, what do you? Yeah, literally saved by the saved by the bell there. Um, Andy, what do you what do you fancy here? Uh, quite like a couple actually. I thought Pim was very impressive um, the other day at Sandown. Beating a good rival, obviously that was a small field and a fairly tactical affair. But he's he's got a, he's got a hell of a lot of talent. This horse, mm. um, you know, he, he's one of the only few horses who's managed to uh, beat Imperial Aura. I mean, he absolutely battered him as well, didn't he? Around around the track last year, so I'm seeing double figure quotes for him. That could look a bit. Uh, t- I thought God, sympathetic ride first time out in keeping of a lot of John Joe's horses when they've been teed up for something else. Um, he ran well at the festival. Uh, in the amateur rider race, uh, but he, he goes through his races really well, um, cloth cap, and he strikes me as the type of horse that, off his current mark, could be definitely dangerous as the season progresses. So, yeah, without wittering on about too many, th- those are the two that stood out uh, when I first looked at the race: Pim and um, cloth cap. Cloth cap eight to one, Pim ten to one at the moment. Ed, who are you adding to that list? Uh, Ramses Taves, interesting. I just thought if, again, just harping on about the ground angle, uh, if the rains do continue, and this is a, a proven stayer on soft ground, I had a nice little prep run in France, if you want to call it that, over hurdles last mm. time out. Back over fences off 149. If the heavens really did open by Sunday afternoon, this became a test of stamina. So this is a horse that has no issue with staying. You know, we've seen that from Welsh Nationals, etc. And uh, <clears throat> I think the ground was absolutely bottomless when he uh, he won at Haydock, wasn't it? Um, in the grade two hurdle back in back in February. So... Uh, again, I, we don't have the, full, the final fields in front of us, and there's a lot of guesswork with the weather as well. So there's a, there's a, a large element of trying to kind of narrow the percentages. But I would just say keep your eye on the weather as far as uh, the David Pike runner is, is concerned there. Um, on decent surface, I wouldn't entertain his chances. But if it just turns into... I, mean, I don't think he's out of the equation. Rams is to tie 10 to 1. Worth pointing out as well, again, that we're recording this on Thursday. So just be wary that you want final decks in before you have your bet, maybe, because these are not confirmed runners. And if they do come out, you will not be getting your money back, sadly. So possibly worth waiting for the race for the final decks to come in. Um, on now to the 2.25 on Sunday, which is the Schluer Chase. Um, Defi de Sol is 5-2 to two ahead of Rouge Viv. Put the kettle on um, 7-2. to two. Rouge Viv, sorry, is 11-4. So Royale, 7-1. to one. Duke de Geneva and Riders on the Storm, 8-1. to one. This, surely one of the highlights of the weekend, um, Andy. Um, <clears throat> you know, where do we expect Defi to bounce back? Where do we rank that performance from Rouge Viv? As we've already mentioned, put the kettle on, a serious contender as well. I actually think the Sunday's the best card collectively, pound mm. for pound. Um, you know, great handicaps, lots of interest all the way through. And, and this, by far and away, is the best race of the whole uh, three-day meeting, as far as I can see. Yeah. Most of the big guns have stood their ground, which is refreshing. 
Uh, obviously, Defi de Soy, I think he's very much ground dependent. and that, He just didn't handle the ground. He, he went past the stands in front of me. I stood on the lawn last year and I thought, this horse is beating the champion chase. Whether he was a victim of like one or two hard races or what, I don't know. But he's not a very big horse, so he wouldn't want a complete bog first time out. Uh, whereas I do think putting the kettle on the, the, the filly down the bottom, she's my champion chase tip, which I tipped uh, during lockdown. I'm, I'm hoping that you know she gets in the conditions to watch. So I think she was massively underestimated. Her time figure was very good. The form's all beginning to work out. You know, Al Dancer, Rouge Vif. Um, and I still think she'll probably sneak under the radar come Saturday. But Henry de Rommel, as I say, he, he doesn't not just target these races and think, oh, this is a prep run for another day. He's going to come here with all guns blazing. There's no doubt that he'll leave, leave no stone unturned. Uh, she'll go off in front. She just tries and she gets her head down. She jumped spectacularly. She was ready to rock and roll first time at this meeting last year. So I've got no hesitation of putting her up for, up for this race. So put the kettle on the one for Andy. Ed, as you said, cracking race this. Maybe the best of the weekend. Where's your money going? Stunning race, isn't it? Listen to all mm. the training quotes. They're pretty much you'd hope they're all going to make it. Uh, again, um, the ground is so pivotal to this contest. Literally, uh, I... If the rain materialises, wouldn't be too shocked if Rouge, Viff and Surreal were declared non-runners, uh, to be honest with you. If we get 16, nearly 20 mils of rain. Um, conversely, I think Deffy Desoy, uh, and Deffy Desoy um, as well, probably wants uh, a half-decent surface. But then the opposite way, put the kettle on, the more the rain, the merrier. Jupiter, Geneva, one and a half, one an absolute bog. Um, riders on the storm would like testing ground as well. This unless the ground ends up good to soft, this race is going to go one or two ways in terms of who turns up and, as a consequence, the prices of the horses. I would love to see Rouge Viff have a crack at uh, this opposition on a, equal, a sound surface as last time. You know, this is a six-year-old, uh, not many miles on the clock, looks to be progressing and just look really exciting, the manner in which he got from A to B, albeit in handicap company, but looks worth a crack uh, at this level on the basis of that. But... Again, I, I just think, unfortunately, it, it could be a case of the luck of the draw with the days. Uh, I see Harry mm. Whittington, like, he'll be absolutely wincing into his porridge, won't he, on, on Sunday morning if uh, the rain materialises, because it, it'll just blunt all his, his natural speed and verve. And so, definitely the soy is the funny one. Um, ground could have been an issue, but he just it was inexplicably flat, wasn't he, uh, yeah. in the championship. He's never jumped with any zest, was beaten miles out. Um there never seems to have been a kind of concrete answer. Normally, straight away, if a horse doesn't like the ground or there's a problem with a, an injury, that normally connections are straight away out to get the kind of excuse out. But listening to Philip Hobbs, it almost still seems a bit mystified to this day as to what the actual answer was as to why he underperformed. So, again, I'm sitting on the fence. If the if the uh, Costa del Gloucester moves in from the west and everything kind of <laughs> the rain shifts out of the way, then I'd love to see Rouge Viffert have a good crack at these on the sound surface. And I think by the spring, he will be a serious champion chase contender, regardless of what happens here. But uh, if the rains do arrive, and especially the fact she's getting, I think, nine pounds from Deputy de Soy, uh, or there or thereabouts, put the kettle on, has to be taken seriously and has all the course and distance form of the world you'd like. So I'll put the kettle on, on a bog, I'm Rouge Viff on good. If it's good to soft, I'll sit it out and watch. <laughs> Rouge Viff, 11 to four with Betway. Yeah, interesting. I mean, with Deffy at five to two, big chance the catalog across the board. Right on then to the Great Woods, and uh, we've got uh, Prashima is the eleven to two favourite. Edward Stone and Time White just in behind at six to one. Main fact seven to one. Uh, Tegarek twelve to one. Fourteen to one. Bar. Ed, we'll stick with you here. Um, tough, tough old race to pick the winner in, uh, especially before. 
even know exactly who's going to be running. But um, I'll leave it to you to make a good fist of it. Yeah, I've got a two v the field here, and again with the, the kind of ground caveat, uh, as you say, my two v the field be Sir Psycho and Sebastopol being the two. Uh, Sir Psycho definitely wants soft ground. Um, Paul Nichols has made no uh, hiding place of that, and the form book would suggest that has performed much better when there's been substantial giving the ground. And uh, the Silver Trophy last time out was on a pretty decent surface, and. Uh, to my mind, didn't quite get home over that extended two miles, three. With that run, kind of get the fizz out, if you like, coming back in trip with a load of rain arriving. And has been dropped a pound. I wouldn't be at all surprised if we saw a, a marked improvement of Sosaiko. Obviously, you'd like to see T-Clipper go and kind of boost the form to some extent, wouldn't you? So, Sosaiko, mm. if the heavens open, if the rains do miss, uh, Sebastopol for Tom Lacey is a horse I actually really thought would have gone well at the Chowton Festival. Got injured on the... Uh, the eve of the festival before they were debating whether to go for the county or the Coral Cup. In hindsight, uh, probably not a bad thing because this horse does want a sound surface. Uh, and so that is something to bear in mind. But he's young, he's progressive. Uh, the tongue tie went on for the first time last night at Musselburgh and the horse started the, the quicken away in the closing <laughs> stages. And I don't think the horse has been running around your Wincantons, your Huntingdons and your Musselburghs. And this horse really seems to just get out pace and get going in the closing stages. So I think the horse has been performing well in spite of those tracks, if you see what I'm saying, rather than because of them. I think a stiff two miles at Charlton of a big hill will definitely bring all this horse's stamina to play. I, I think, uh, in short, this horse would be over two and a half sooner rather than later. This horse will, over the minimum trip, will want a strong end-to-end -end gallop. But uh, as uh, Tom Lacey said before, uh, Ascot a couple of weeks ago, when he pulled the horse out on the count of the ground, this horse is a pretty much a spring round animal. Um, the weather forecast could look bleak for him. So, good ground, Sebastopol. If the heavens really do open, to psycho, and it really turns into a test of stamina. Back down to minimum trip, off 145. Uh, I think he's a fair each way. There you go. So, Sosaiko, if the rain comes, currently 20 to 1. Who knows, that price will still be around. If it is a bit of a bog on the day, Sebastopol is 14 to 1 as it stands. That's <laughs> best price with Betfred. Andy, coming to you now, which ones are you picking out for the Greatwood? I think this is a great, great one this year. It has to be said. Um, you know, absolutely chock full of quality, quality handicappers all the way down the line. I'm, I've always been on the side of Edward Stone as a horse. I really do like him, the way he travels through his races. Um, I actually thought he'd run a good race in the um, uh, the um, Supreme Novices, and he did. Um, he just didn't quite get home, and it was bottomless conditions that day, so that's worth bearing in mind. I thought he was going to win at Haydock as well. He just got run out of it by Stone and Silver, but I think he's very much had this race on on, on his mind for quite a while. I think Alan King's targeted him at, at this race for probably the thick end of six months, probably the day when he went over the line in the in the Supreme. Um, the yard's clicking into gear as well. They had three winners last Saturday. They had not a, not a chance. They won a banger in the week. So the yard, since Trushan won at um, Ascot's in October, that yard's begin, begun to work the way, work its way through the ranks. A mark of 142, I think he's very workable. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just one of a, of a number that I could I could throw into the mix. I actually think Ballyandy will go quite well here. I'm not sure they're going to put on him. I don't know whether they're going to get a claimer to take off of a little bit of weight there. But he comes out of a very good, strong time figure I got in that Welsh champion. Oh, that's Sco Royal. Absolutely tore, tore the track up that day. No great surprise to see him go on and win a, a gravy race next time out at uh, Wincanton off the back of that. And Ballyandy's got an amazing record at this track. I mean, he's hardly ever put a foot wrong here. And he could well be underestimated if he can get some 16, 20 to 1 him. And a lot depends on this race as well with your jockeys. We can go on about form and 
you know, you know, ratings mm-hmm. and what have you. But you've got to have a jockey. I think he's going to be switched on here, and he'll probably go the widest of all. So you need to probably be back in the jockey who, who uses his brain and, and goes around the outside. Because I think come Sunday, the inside of the track will be churned up. If they get all the rain, you want you want someone who's thinking outside the box. So again, that's another little angle to look at. But as it stands at the moment, just on pure form numbers and and. The way I see it, I, I think Edward Stone is a very um, strong or one of the strong market leaders with Bally Andy as a, as a bit of a wild outsider. Edward Stone, six to one with 365 Hills and Unibet, as short as four to one elsewhere. So maybe a sign of what's to come in the. At Odds Checker, compare the odds from major bookmakers, get expert tips, and place your bets all in one place. Odds Checker, the one stop betting hub. Download the app now, play responsibly. Before we move on to the Supreme Trial, for which I'm sure many of the viewers are looking forward to Andy's insight into the Novice Hurdlers again, uh, we have a giveaway for the watchers on YouTube. Our friends at Timeform have given us three copies of their Horses to Follow book for the 2020 and 2021 jump, jump season. An absolute you know, must-have for any National Hunt racing fans, I would say. And if you want one, all you have to do is just comment below on the YouTube video and we'll select three lucky winners at random. So just comment below the video if you're watching on YouTube to enter to have a chance of winning one of these three Timeform Horses to Follow book for the 2020-2021 season. Best of luck in that. Just comment below to have a chance of winning. Onwards then to the Supreme Trial. Third time lucky is the 13 to 8 favourite. Uh, Court and Bold, 3 to 1. Uh, Fidelo, Vallis, 4 to 1. For Pleasure, 7 to 1. Jungle Junction, 8 to 1. 10 to 1. Pisca Pike and Lesson Can, 50 to 1. Andy, coming to you here. Firstly, third time lucky, 13 to 8 favourite. Is that justified? I think that's a very, very good 13 away. Yeah, I'd have him a lot short because, again, similar to the, the grade two on, on the Friday, I think this is a really weak race. The fact that Court and Bowl, bless him, his second favourite here, um, three to one, tells you all you need to know about this race. I mean, he ostensibly has been a summer jumper that's come through the ranks, has been taking advantage of his fitness. Yes, it was a good run last time out beyond McFabulous, but once again, he had his ground. If the ground's soft on Sunday, he's, he's going to have absolutely no chance uh, whatsoever. Um, he got beat by great spirits at um, Stratford on, on good to soft ground or soft ground um, a couple of runs ago. So that, that tells you that he's not good enough. And he's got a rating of 141. But it just tells you how skewed the, the sort of ratings can, can often play with your mind in, in, in these kind of events. How on earth, third time look, he's only rated 129 compared to Court and Bowl is, is a complete mystery because this horse is a serious weapon. Um, he's had a couple of spins over hurdles that haven't amounted to much but I mean he's literally cruised through both races showed his class but he was fourth in the champion bumper behind Fernie Hollow I mean a lot of horses behind him that day have gone on to prove the how good uh, how strong that champion bumper was like it pretty much is every year he'll love the ground the softer the better he's got a cruising speed to die for uh and yeah I think he wouldn't say he should be short you know odds on but I wouldn't I wouldn't bigger than even money against this field. I'll be I'll be staggered if he doesn't win this. Third time lucky, 13 to 8. Sounds like value to me from what Andy's saying. Ed, anything to counter that with or are you on the same page? <clears throat> I'm generally on the same page. Just a wider point on third time lucky. I bet Skelton's absolutely distraught. This horse is not qualified for the Greatwood off 129. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> where, where have they made that up from? Which broken abacus have they constructed that from? I, I don't know. I suppose the fact that he's won two meaningless contents uh, contest in the context of this was he one to six and two to seven but as andy says dotted up beautifully 
yeah, I mean, uh, balmy really. You think like for pleasure, no disrespect to Alex Heldor, to be giving £15 in a handicap, but I don't know. Something's not adding up here. This is, of course, his fourth in the champion bumper. Uh, interesting, listen to Dan Scouter say, in the back of his mind, you think again, he might want to go to two and a half at some point. Um, whether that's when that is and when that is, I don't quite know. I think they're going to stick it two miles until they're told otherwise, really. But I think third time lucky is the most likely winner. And Fidelio Vallis, I do think he's a, he's a solid yardstick and he's the biggest danger. Uh, actually ran really well at Kempton um, last time out behind Mrs. Hyde. And Mrs. Hyde actually broke the track record on that occasion. I think that's a pretty smart run on ground that would have been uh, quick enough for him to surface. Vallis, so it should run well. And of course, Mrs. Hyde's gone on to Frank the form to some extent by beating Vidana Blue. So I think... Um, Third time lucky wins for Dalio Vallis follows that one home. And uh, again, it's, it's strange, really. We, we normally get really excited about these novice hurdles. And, you know, this is called a, a supreme novice hurdle trial. But uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't quite appear to be the, the strength and depth of previous years in this. But nonetheless, in itself, it's an intriguing race. But third time lucky, God, off, that was off 129 and a handicap. It'd be the all time, <laughs> wouldn't it, really? But um, nonetheless, it's not. Uh, I think, yeah, third time lucky wins. And the Paul Nichols uh, horse follows that one home. There you go. Third time lucky, 13 to 8. Paul Nichols horse, Fidelio Vallis is four to one. Maybe on the day they'll be without the, the favourite market, in which case you could maybe side with Fidelio Vallis there. The last race of the day is another bumper for which there's no betting at the moment. So at this stage, I will just ask you guys if before we're done, if there are any other horses running on the day, any other races on the card that you want to touch on? Um, yeah, in the bumper, I do think um, Oliver Shearer has got quite a nice horse on his hand, <coughs> Grand or Don who won at um, Newton Abbey the other day. They won a good gallop that day. There was a, a previous winner that made the running and set a good gallop. Uh, I like the way this horse stayed on in the latter stages. Um, comes from a set of owners who must think that everything they touch turns to gold at the moment. <laughs> uh, the old Rouge, Rouge Viv colours. Um, every time I look up on my telly, they've, they've got one that's uh, just gone and won, usually for Harry Whittingham. But uh, Oliver's not missing out with his, uh, as the, the, the net is uh, cast a, a little bit wider. Um, but he looks a very he looks a horse who's got plenty of stamina. So come come Sunday, if if they want to you know go go gallop in a race like that, ride a track like that, I think it'll suit Grand Dom. Grand Dom in the bumper, the last race on the Sunday. Then, well, there we have it. Then I did say <clears throat> that I'd give you guys a price for the uh, Triumph um, trial, and they have just come out, so that's good. And it's almost like you guys know what you're talking about as well, because <laughs> Hell Red is the six to four favorite, Duffelcoat 15 to eight, Adagio 13 to two, 11 to one bar. The three horses mentioned, the three at the top end of the market. Any surprise by those prices? No, I'd, I'd probably say that's a really good double, actually. I, I thought Hell Red would be a little bit shorter now. I'd probably say six to four for that, along with third time lucky. You know, that 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 that's a decent, nice little chunky double for those that like don't want to be betting in the handicaps and just want to mm. just play the ones where they're, they're almost a little bit more risk-free. But there you go. Perfect. How red and lucky the double. Thank you guys both very much indeed for joining us today. Um, always great to, to chat about the racing over the weekend uh, and fingers crossed we've got some winners. Hope people listening and watching have enjoyed this. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on all podcast platforms and also on the YouTube channel as well for plenty of other content. We did a presidential election podcast last week. We also did a, a Masters one as well. So any kind of betting angle we have you covered, um, do comment below for your chance to win a Time Form Horses to Follow book and, and do join us again very, very soon. I think Andy and I are going to be talking about some horses to follow for the National Hunt season.